that he is. Uh, there's so many answers floating around out there in the world that uh, unfortunately just aren't biblical. But nevertheless, they're just floating around out there in the world and wanting us to kind of buy into their own answers, right? And then lastly, this is a difficult question for us uh, because, well, it's one of those places that the Bible is com- clear about, but not complete about. At least not as complete as in our own frailty, in our own need for reassurance that we would like to have it be. So it is a big question uh, because it is a difficult question. And uh, we start out right away with kind of the, uh, the biblical reality of understanding that we cannot today answer every question that probably exists in the room around this question. What happens uh, when I die? And uh, kind of the, the, the biblical um, disclaimer on that is 1 Corinthians 13 where Paul says right away in verse 9, uh, we don't know what? We don't know everything. <laughs> We just don't know everything, right? We have to accept we're not God. And so we don't know everything. And so I'm just not going to be able to give you an answer that is probably complete enough to deal with all of the questions you've got around this one question. That's why we call it faith. Because we don't have to know everything. Nevertheless, I think this morning we can take some time and we can look into Scripture and we can dispel some bad ideas, some bad answers that are floating around out there in the world. Uh, And at the same time, we can glean from Scripture uh, a good foundation of the answer uh, to this question. So let's start out by just uh, looking at some some realities and some, some bad answers, perhaps. And maybe one of the sub-questions is, well, okay, how did this death thing get here anyway? Uh, where did it come from? And kind of the bad answer you hear to that out there in the world is kind of the, uh, the uh, Lion King Disney answer. You know the Lion King Disney answer? It's just the cycle of life, right? Well, it's just the cycle of life. After all, death is natural. It's just the way it is in the world. It's just the ongoing natural occurrence. Heard that answer? No! Wrong answer! Absolutely not! Death is the enemy! Death is not what God desires. God did not create us and put us in this incredible world so that we could die. No, indeed, death is not natural. There is no natural cycle about death. Death is the intrusion of the enemy into God's world. Death is the intrusion of the enemy into God's dream and desires for our life. It came not because somehow God desires our death. It came because we brought it into the world. If you look at the next one and ask that question, where did death come from? You'll see in Genesis 3 when Adam and Eve had that experience with the apple. You remember that story? Where they defied God and they chose their own way. And the net result is you'll have sweat to earn a living and you you were made out of soil and you will once again turn into soil. Where did death come from? It came from our own disobedience. 
It came because we came under the power of the enemy of God. It is one of the tools in the enemy's arsenal to destroy us and try and seek to destroy what God can do in our lives. Death is not natural. It is the power of the enemy loose in the world. And our hope and our answer is that Jesus came to conquer that death. How about another question? You ready? How about another question that floats out there in the world with a, with a bad answer? The question that, that uh, I kind of summarize it this way. How about do-overs? How about, you know, what do-overs are, right? You know, I want a do-over. You know, I didn't do it good the first time, so, so I need to get another chance at it, right? I didn't do it right the first time, so give me another chance. Give me a do-over, right? I mean, kind of the, the do-over understanding that the world has out there is wrapped up in something called reincarnation. You heard of that? Sure, fundamentally, it's a do-over, right? I mean, fundamentally, it says, well, okay, I got to live one life, and then I'm going to get to live another life, and then do that, and then I get to another do-over, and I get to live another life. You know, the whole thing is that you just keep cycling, and I, mean, I guess it's kind of like, uh, you know, death's recycling program, right? No. There is absolutely no evidence uh, in the Scripture, and I think the Scripture kind of, uh, takes the whole reincarnation theory out of the box uh, right away here in Hebrews 9. If you look at uh, verse uh, 27, you want to just read that with me so you get it? It says what? We die only once and then we are judged. We die how many times? I guess there you goes the recycling program, right? Yeah, no recycling. No, I mean, Shirley McLean, sorry. Sell your books, I guess, but you know the book that we have is bigger, thicker, and full of truth. And the reality is that uh, the Bible just says, no, uh, that's not the answer to death. Uh, there's no recycling program when it comes to death. Well, let's go to another one. And this is probably the most difficult one because this is the most common answer in our culture today. And unfortunately, it is a non-biblical uh, answer. It is talking about the challenge of understanding immortality, right? Am I immortal? Am I uh, immortal? This is a tough one for us because we have to back up and start understanding uh, how we are created and how God made us. So if we go into 1 Thessalonians 5, you can see there it talks about us, right? Is I pray that God who gives peace will make you completely holy... And may your spirit, soul, and body be kept healthy and faultless until our Lord Jesus Christ returns. When Paul describes us, how does he describe us? What terms does he use here? Well, he uses those terms. Spirit, soul, and body. You see that? Now what the Bible does, you'll see those terms all through the Bible. And the Bible will use those terms interchangeably. Right? It will use those terms in describing who we are and how God created us to be. It will just use those terms interchangeably with, with each other in trying to describe us as a whole. The key is that when the Bible looks at us, it doesn't dissect us. It doesn't divide us into distinct, three distinct realities. Just like... When we look at God, 
we understand God equally to be Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all wrapped up in one indivisible one. Correct? The same is for us. We were created in the image of God, a reflection of God, and so when the Bible looks at us, it also looks at us as a whole. It's not divided up in any way. That God looks at us as this indivisible one, a reflection of who He is as an individual one. And so the Bible never describes us in and of ourselves as having the qualities of immortality. Immortality is given to us. It's not something we have. It's not something that is ours by virtue of who we are. It is something that is given to us by virtue of the gift and the grace and the goodness of God. Are you with me on it? The trouble in the world's answer when it comes to talking about what happens to us when we die is that it wants to divide us up and somehow make us in and of ourselves apart from God as being somehow immortal. Unfortunately, that's not the Bible. That's somebody called Plato. Plato was a Greek philosopher. He was not a Christ follower. He didn't know anything about the true God. And so he created a philosophy around death and a philosophy around trying to understand us. And he created the concept of the immortality of the soul as somehow being body and soul distinct and apart from one another. The Bible doesn't look at us that way. The Bible looks at us as a whole. And it looks at God's gift to us as immortality. You see the difference? One is dependent on us. It's just ours by virtue of who we are in our own selves. That's Plato. The other understands life, whether now or immortally, is totally dependent and wrapped up in our relationship with God. See the stark difference? Let me show you how uh, Jesus kind of refers to that in Matthew uh, 10. He says, don't be afraid of people. They can kill you, but they cannot harm your soul. Instead, you should fear God who can destroy what? Both your body and your soul in hell. Are we independently immortal apart from God's activity and relationship to us? No, absolutely not. It's all about our relationship with God. He has the ability to give or not give immortality. It's about our relationship with Him. Our immortality is wrapped up in that relationship with God. If you look at 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, My friends, I want you to know that our bodies of flesh and blood will decay. This means they cannot share in God's kingdom, which lasts forever. It's not within us, in our own inherent nature, apart from God, to experience immortality. This is what God brings to our life. This is what God gives to our life. So when the answer is floating out there in the world about somehow flitting off somewhere our soul flitting off somewhere to paradise 
it's the wrong answer. No, immortality comes to us as God works in our life and lends us and gifts us with immortality. You with me? Now you're all saying, okay, there's some bad answers and there's some, con- some, uh, some good answers to the bad ones, right? But we still haven't answered the big one. The big one is, okay, immortality is given to us by God, but what happens then? What, what's the answer? What happens then when we die? The Bible tries, using lots of different images, but it tries to help us understand uh, by using these images. And the most common image is what you see here and what you heard in the lesson today from Paul in Thessalonians. So let's just look at that for a minute. It says, Now also, we would not have you ignorant, brethren, about who? Those who fall asleep. Now notice the brackets. I put the amplified version up there for you to try to show you the distinction and understand what the Bible is doing here. It says, about those who fall asleep, bracket, in death. That's the translation's edit in there to try to help you understand who falling asleep is referring to, right? He's saying, look, I I wouldn't have you ignorant. Don't want you to not know this, brethren. About those who have fallen asleep. We're talking about those who are in death. That you may not grieve for them as the rest do who have no hope beyond the grave. Notice the grave there. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will also bring with him through Jesus who? Those who have fallen asleep, i.e., those who are in death. Christ followers in death. Okay? This is the most common image that the, the Bible lays before us to try and understand what happens when we die. What it tries to reassure us is to understand that it's that simple. That the Bible cannot say about any of us who are devoted Christ followers that we die. Why? Because we don't. I mean, the Bible can't say that anybody who is a Christ follower dies because we don't. We don't die. Of course, we're always alive to Christ. And so there has to be a clarity here to say, well, I'm talking about those who are falling asleep, bracket, those who are in death. I mean, that's the way we understand it in the world, but we have to understand it in our spirits, in our faith to understand, listen, death can't touch us. And so the Bible says, look, you don't have to worry about death. It's just like going to sleep. You don't have to worry about death. And all of those who are in death, you don't have to worry about them. It's just like going to sleep. It's that simple. And so the Bible over and over again wants to reassure us that what it means and what happens in our death is as simple as going to sleep. Jesus talks about uh, life. If you go to John 5, and he locates our death. So if you look at John 5, he says, don't be surprised and and wonder at this for the time is coming when all those who are in the tombs shall hear his voice and they shall come out where are all those christ followers according to jesus in the tombs right okay so what happens when we die well the bible's answer is as simple as falling asleep and we fall asleep with christ 
And when we go into the grave, we're still asleep with Christ. We're still with Christ. See, the reality is the Bible wants us to understand that there is no place beyond the presence and the power of Christ. And death has no power over us. You saw it, heard it in the drama, right? Death has no power over us. The grave has no power over us. There is no place beyond the presence and the power of Christ. So when we die, it's as easy as going to sleep. And when we go in the grave, He's going to be right there and to meet us. And there's absolutely nothing for us to be worried about. And we have the example of that. So the Bible wants to reassure us. We have the example of that when Jesus Himself rose from the dead. Remember this verse here. Now look at the next Matthew 27 verse. The tombs were open and many bodies of the saints who had done what? There it is again. You see that? Many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep in death were raised to life and coming out of the tombs after His resurrection, they went into the holy city and they appeared to many. You see, we already have an example of not only what happens when we die, but what happens when we rise. The Bible already gives us a reassurance. We don't have to worry about happens, what happens when we die. Why? Because when we die, our whole selves goes into the tomb with Christ, and Christ is right there to meet us. And there is no place beyond the presence and the power of Christ. And when you're with Christ, you are with Christ in paradise. Philippians 1, Paul desires that image we looked at this, I think, last week. But Paul desires this to say that not only has death had no power, but, but man, I, I look forward to the time, he says. Look, but I am hard-pressed between the two. My yearning desire is to depart, to be free of this world, to set forth, and be where? With Christ. What is he talking about? Well, he's ready to die. He's ready to die. He's ready to go into the tomb. Why? Because he knows he's going to be with Christ. And that's better than being anywhere else in the world. So for him, there is absolutely no power and no fear in death. Why? Because he could fall asleep at any time in his life because he knows he's going to be welcomed into the kingdom of heaven with Christ. He is going to be in paradise. That Jesus came into the world to be present even in our tombs. And that's why Paul can say in Romans 8, that incredible verse of power for us, for I am persuaded beyond doubt, I'm sure about this, that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things impending and threatening nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can death separate us from being in the presence of Christ? Absolutely not. It has no power. And we can face death, and we can welcome death, and we can welcome the grave. Because Jesus Christ is waiting for us. That's why when he was hanging on the cross, and there was uh, that uh, other criminal next to him who was, you know, defending him, that's why he said those uh, words from Luke 23. And he answered him, Truly I'll tell you, today you'll be with me in paradise. See, now we've got to make sure we hear that verse right, what he said. See, so often we hear that verse and we key off the word paradise, right? Now, the real power of that verse is not the word paradise. The real power of that verse is today you'll be where? 
with me. And whenever you're with Jesus, that's paradise. That's paradise. You see, that's the answer to the question. The answer to the question is, what happens when we die? When we die, we are with Christ. And there's nothing that can take us out of the hands of Christ. When we die, when we die, we experience the incredible paradise of being with Christ. You say, okay, what about... What about all those experiences, those near-death experiences? I mean, there's a big book that just came out. I think many of you have read it. One of our groups, I think, even read it, right? The Little Boy. Am I right? Have you read that one? Sure. So you're probably saying, well, okay, with Christ. But what about, what about that stuff? Let me, let me save you some money. You don't have to buy any more of those, those books, okay? Because I'm going to show you a near-death experience... In fact, it's a death experience, even closer. And it answers the same question. It comes out of the book of Acts. You heard the story in the, in the reading today, but it comes out of the book of Acts, and it asks, answers the questions for us, not only what happens when we die, we're with Christ, but should we worry about death? Should we worry about death? If you go to the next slide, guys. There it is. I'm sorry. Go back. Thanks. Um, it is the experience of Stephen. What about those near-death experiences? He says, but he, full of the Holy Spirit and controlled by him. So who's controlling him right now? The Holy Spirit. You see that? Okay. Full of the Holy Spirit, being controlled by the Holy Spirit. He gazed into heaven and saw the glory, the splendor, and the majesty of God. And Jesus standing at God's right hand. What's happening? Stephen is being stoned. He's proclaimed the gospel to the Jews. They've become angry at him, and they have, they have dragged him away, and they're, they're stoning him, okay? And as this is happening, he has not simply a near-death experience, but a pre-death experience. And what's his pre-death experience? He looks into death, and he sees the presence of Christ. Isn't that it? He looks into death, and he sees God, and he sees Jesus at the right hand. He sees the presence of Jesus even as he's entering death. And he said, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. What does he see as he's dying? He sees Jesus right there waiting for him, doesn't he? He sees Jesus right there waiting for him. He goes on. But they raised a great shout and put their hands over their ears and they rushed together upon him and they dragged him out of the city and they stoned him and the witnesses placed their garments to the feet of a young guy named Saul. And while they were stoning Stephen, he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive and accept, welcome my spirit. And falling on his knees, he cried out aloud, Lord, fix not the sin, this sin upon them, laid on not to their charge. And when he had said this, he did what? Fell asleep. What happens when we die? What happens when we die is we experience the welcoming presence of Christ. And when we're with Christ, we experience the gift of immortality. The gift that He brings to us of spending eternity with Him. 
And that becomes fulfilled and absolutely complete on that last day when he comes again. And we exchange our old bodies for new bodies. What happens when we die? What happens when we die? It's so simple. It's like falling asleep. We just welcome, are welcomed in the presence of Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the promise you give us that there is nothing to fear, that death has absolutely no power, that for those who believe, for those who are uh, walking life today in Christ, that we will always be in Christ, that there will never be a time when we're apart from you, and that even when death comes, when that enemy sets upon us, that we need not be in fear, but we can simply receive you, welcome you, and enter into your presence. Father, we thank you for this great gift, the gift that comes not because of who we are, but because of who you are. So help us receive this word this day, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.